Yo, what's up? This is Mikey Dab, and welcome to The Hype Report. Each week, we recap the biggest stories from Hypebeast directly from the minds of the editorial team. I'm here to connect the dots. Let's get into this week's show. Hey, this is Isaac Krause, associate editor for Hypebeast.com. We are talking about the Apple AirPods Pros, which just recently released. We've been covering all of the rumors, and to my pleasure, they have all accurately uh, been true. Uh, we have a courtesy pair from Apple here, and we're going to talk about it off the cuff. Um, they are, for lack of a better word, Beats by Dre headphones? I don't know. How so? I, so, like, I've been wearing like this style of headset for quite some time, the, the one that wrapped around the ear, uh, the earbud when they first came out and they were three pounds and they would just fall out of your ear. Like that was definitely my go-to move, especially with the the bud system that like plugs into your actual ear canal. Sure. sure. I, I like the noise canceling that it, it, it basically does on its own. Now uh, they're kind of pitching this noise cancellation and transparency mode. Mm-hmm. I heard it's good. I've heard, you know, the transparency mode, you can barely tell there's an, an earbud in your ear. It's very much so uh, true to his name. Yes. I feel like a lot of the criticism that's coming from the these new Apple AirPod Pros is that because Apple is kind of pushing themselves towards being this luxury brand and this newly announced Pro series, which, you know, includes the iPhone 11 Pro and now the Apple AirPods Pro is just a reason to kind of just put a absorbent amount of money on the price tag um, because for some reason Apple AirPods have become like sort of like fashion accessories. So basically what happens is you have Beats, you have certain other AirPods that you use that are either Bluetooth or no name but when you see an Apple AirPod it's like oh yeah oh you spent money on Air- on AirPods or you spent money on your headset. Uh, Adding the pro to it, I do see where other people are saying that it becomes this luxury line that you kind of have to strive for, as opposed to just having a regular iPhone or having a regular piece of equipment. I'm not mad at the idea, though. Like, uh, you you, you can't, like, get mad that there's a separation or a better quality product. Like, people want it. We have to make it. Yeah, and to be fair, I do uh, appreciate the the new design. They listen to the feedback of, uh, you know, there's so many different cases of, earbuds falling out of ears uh, into like sewer grates and there was one editor that kind of chronicalized their entire like experience trying to get a, a earbud out of a, a sewage drain Oof. and they kind of redesigned this new airpod pro to like you know have the cushions and less likely to fall out of your ear it's more ergonomic like if you think about it not everybody has the same ear canal yeah that's first and foremost so like the version one and two were basically the same exact thing for everyone right. now if you're you have a shallow ear depth like it's gonna fall out yeah i mean i don't blame people for losing them i'm on my third set yeah trust me it's not a good look but at the same time i don't blame people for being you know inconsiderate with their own stuff like if you see that you're walking over a great like i purposely walk around stuff (laughs) especially if i'm holding my phone like nah i don't want to take the chance like just wake up a little bit right and i think the cushions come like three different like cushion options so like they are being considerate of like you know not everybody's ear canal is kind of like shaped the same exactly exactly uh, needs different kind of suctions need different kind of sizes in order to like not fall out and stuff like that yeah to fit comfortably but there's another there's a a recent discovery where like if you don't have Apple Care, mm. if you go to the Genius Bar, or something happens to get get AirPods or something like that, it is eighty nine dollars per bud for repair slash replacement. So like, what that is is basically like, okay, you don't want to have to pay that. So what you can do is you can pay thirty dollars for this Apple Care Pro. Worth it. Yeah. Worth it. <laughs> Instantly worth it. One hundred percent. Like okay, like I get it. Like price of 
repair drastically increased from the original it makes sense. Listen, it's a way to get you. It's it's a way to get you, but I'm fine with that. If it's they listen, they've been doing it since uh, laptops, Macs, iPhones, iWatches. If you get the Apple Care. Even though it's paying the insurance. It's it's a what if. Yeah. What if insurance? You know what I'm saying? What if I lose my phone? What if I break my phone? What if you don't want to do that, but you have that security knowing that it's not gonna cost you seven hundred dollars to get a new phone. It's not gonna cost you fifteen hundred dollars to fix your laptop. It's gonna cost you nothing. Most times it's gonna cost you nothing. Sometimes it's like a little uh, uh convenience fee or whatever the situation is, but it's drastically dropped for the hundred bucks that you pay for the or I think it's like a hundred or two hundred bucks for the laptop, a hundred bucks for the phone. Well worth it. I'll do that all day, every day. For sure. The one thing that I do love about the AirPods Pro, as opposed to like I have the Power Beats three, even though Beats is owned by Apple. It's still manufactured by Beats. So like, I'm not getting that lovely, like kind of ecosystem kind of connectivity mm. that you can get across. Like if you have a, the buds, an iPhone and an, an Apple watch is like supposed to be like, you know, you never need to even pull out your phone to kind of complete tasks and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like that's the one plus that I do love about the AirPods Pro. And one of the reasons why that high price tag is so high. And uh, I found that the transparency mode tracking back to some of the specs on the headphones. Um, if you keep it at like 50, like midway through the vault, I like to blow my eardrums out. I'm not sure. going to lie to you. So like, sure. I don't want to hear anything. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to make <laughs> eye contact. I'm, I'm just trying to like get to A to B. That's what they're for. So if you drop the transparency mode, you put the transparency mode on and you get the volume at like 50, it sounds like you're having a conversation. Like you can hear clear as day. Okay. which is fantastic. But if you're someone like me who likes to keep their volume high, that transparency mode is for the birds. Right. There's really no point. Like, and then you could, the noise cancellation, I, I really feel like it, it feels so superior because of the transparency mode. You know what I'm saying? You're going from like being able to hear to basically standard headphones that have that little suction cup in there. Right. That's what that suction cup is basically. Like it's not only keeping it in your ear, but it's also stopping any sound waves from coming in from the opposite direction. So technically they, they're noise canceling themselves. Right. And I feel like the noise canceling, like that's kind of like the big key feature that every other like brand that has an earbud is trying to perfect right now, that and the transparency. And I feel like Apple is, especially with this new cushion technology, mm -hmm. they might be the closest to reaching like true uh, noise canceling. The one thing that I do dislike about the AirPods is the case over the original case. Mm -hmm. I feel like the case is a little like rectangular it's, it's, like, it's not even anymore it used to be square yeah the square felt like it fit anywhere you could just let a fifth pocket you could do a lot of things with it now it's a little bit but it's elongated because the headphones are bigger like sure they could have staggered it i guess if you want to to get like technical or they could have made it like a booklet so instead of it opening the way it opens like the old one it could have opened from the side and you could have placed one in one and it could have kept it a square yeah yeah i'm interested to see where earbuds as a market goes after the pros because i feel like Companies basically started imitating the AirPod Pros, the AirPods originally when they came out, and then it just became a giant market where every kind of like Samsung needed to have a pair. Let's listen. Uh, let's let let's be realistic. They went back in time. This has been out. Beats did this. I mean, I, I realize Apple owns Beats, but Beats did this first. In terms of in terms of what? In, in terms of this whole setup, this this was basically the original. This this shape right here was the original Beats, except it was straight on and it hung out a little bit further, and the, the wire came down. You remember? Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. It okay. was just a regular. It was and wireless right you know what i'm saying so yeah but i feel like they're just going back in time with this headset and to your point yeah i would like to see where they go but what else can you do nothing 
that's the thing. Uh, it's very limited what you can do with a pair of earbuds, but you know, just how they keep finding out different ways to put out iPhones, they figure out a new way to kind of. I see what you did there. <laughs> Isaac, a pleasure. Thank you for stopping by. Sure. For the latest in technology news, go to hypebeast.com forward slash tech. My name is Jake. I'm an editor at Hypebeast. And this week we're talking about the recently revealed list index of Q3 2019. Curious list. Yeah. Credentials. So list is a pretty well-known aggregator of fashion searches, fashion-related content, and they do a pretty good job of sort of setting themselves up as the authority in this world of ranking what is hot what is relevant they use a lot of google results google data they use conversion rates and sales from different websites just a lot of like uh statistics yeah exactly nothing crazy but the, the point here the takeaway is what is the most relevant brand in the world according to list it's off white that's not a surprise no at all whatsoever no it's interesting looking at the list because it's all it's pretty much all big names heritage houses you know balenciaga at number two gucci at number three you can move down the list you'll see like burberry at number eight some of the younger more interesting brands that are a little bit more surprising you can see stone island for instance i was that's the one that 11. caught my attention yeah. the most was that as a matter of fact yeah it's interesting because their results aren't completely publicized they don't you know they can't reveal exactly how they got their data so people can copy them it's all proprietary i'm sure Mm -hmm. but it's it's interesting because their their lists have some interesting outliers like i want to come back to this ranking of brands but i I do want to mention in the in the top items for men number three is a very specific nike shoe the nike air jordan one mid that is insane if you would have told me that five years ago i would have said yeah no no, right you're out so this is what their their data is saying that in this quarter of this year more than any other nike shoe more than any other shoe period for men people were searching for the mid air jordan one which is like who could have seen that coming i'm not gonna lie to you like i've been watching i follow a lot of trends as far as like what sells and what doesn't sell and what people are looking for and what people are falling into the air jordan one mid Mm -hmm. has become a household name really just for the fact that people can't attain the highs Mm -hmm. was it last year last year uh towards like the end of the year it was it was one of the things that like anytime a high came out it didn't matter what it was people were tracking it down and it was selling out everywhere yeah so people who see it on the instagram or they see it on their facebook or they see it on this feed that don't necessarily know the industry whatsoever see a jordan mid and they go Oh, that's the same shoe. Yeah. I mean, in theory, it's it's almost identical. Very similar. If, if you don't know the subtle differences in the height, then yeah. you could be fooled at any given time. So it becomes one of those things where people just start buying it and the resale market or the after or secondary market became flooded. Totally. And people were making a ton or maybe probably still are making a ton of money on mids. So it makes plenty of sense. But yeah. Well, it's interesting to like look outside of the, the streetwear bubble or the hypebeast bubble even, because mm-hmm. we do look at things within our zone. We have, everyone has a comfort zone. Everyone exists in their own little world. So when you look outside, you can be, you'll be surprised. And I was surprised to see that specific shoe, because if you ask me, what do you think is the most popular shoe of the year? I'd say like an Air Max model, maybe like the Air Jordan High. A, t- a 10 June. Sure. I mean, something that just sells through A Stan Smith through. even. I yeah. mean, like, you know, a recognizable model that, that would make more sense to me. But uh, speaking of other brands, going back to the, the top 20 brands they mentioned, there's some interesting additions. It's nice to see uh, like Bottega Veneta on there. They're like a hot brand, a lot of buzz behind them. But one brand I noticed that's interestingly uh, not there, Chanel, not on the top 20. 
No one's searching for Chanel. Oh, that's crazy that I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and you think about it, like, what are if you're talking to your parents or people who don't care about clothes, don't know anything about clothes, Chanel. what are the brands they know? Yeah, Chanel. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? What I found really weird was that Gucci was so high up. Also, considering really? like recent, well, not that recent, but considering like all this, we're not buying it, we're boycotting it. Like, it, and I, I watched and I watched the the trending for the past two seasons, three seasons, mm-hmm. or quarters, I should say, and it, it never really faltered. Right. Based on all of that speculation or conversation. The, the controversies are interesting because it's, well, we can't tell right now, it's only been too soon, but within the coming years, we can really see the effects of it, whether or not it affected business, whether or not it affected sales. And you could say maybe it didn't because Dapper Dan stepped in and, you know, they they made a positive impact on the community. Too soon. It was too soon. It was too soon. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, they needed to like let them sweat it out a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I 100% sure. think it was way too fast. Well, I mean, you know, it's it, that's that's the thing is we look at it from where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. So we only see what everyone else is saying. And everyone else is saying, you know, from, from our industry, they're saying you know, Gucci's in hot water. Mm. They're in trouble. Mm. But at the end of the day, I mean, you look at Prada, number five, they had their own blackface controversy earlier this year. And they actually moved to the exact same position that they were at last quarter. So I guess they didn't move, but they, they, yeah. they stay consistent. You know, it's interesting that the, the demand doesn't go down. It's it also like Montclair had a similar issue as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not sitting that high at 14, but still at the same time. But, but to your point, basically designers are probably going to switch up how they interact with what they're doing. And that can show up later on because those designs don't push through or they don't look as good. Yeah, you might you might have to look at how these brands handled controversy this year because it was such a big year for, you know, social media. Well, controversy, but also social media's reaction to controversy. That was such a big factor this year and, and last year to some extent that I think this is going to set a, a benchmark, a precedent of how controversy and how, you know, these these firestorms are handled. Mm by PR firms and by these companies in the years to come. I think we sort of saw that with this this quick response, these public apologies, for a lot of people, I think these issues have sort of become non-issues. Only because you cry wolf too many times. Yeah, sure. I, I feel like that's exactly what it comes down to. It's like it's almost like those apologies become uh, disingenuine. It's like, a, sure. oh, we'll just issue a, whatever. We're, we're sorry. Remember like last year, there was a huge, major international controversy about Dolce & Gabbana. Yes. They had those ads in China. Oh, people yeah, found yeah, them yeah. insensitive. Mm-hmm. And the uh, designers on social media, they were found to be even worse. And they got, you know, booted from Ukes and Farfetch and all these other retailers. And they're sitting at number 15, top 20. Yeah, no, I saw them on there. Yeah. Uh-huh most popular brands it's interesting to think like how far does this reach i don't want to say too uh, long on controversy though. i want to talk about yeah. some other stuff but I, it I, is interesting I, I get what you're saying but i also feel like the same way the jordan one mid is the most popular shoe not a lot of people follow what we follow right and i don't think it's, it's as mainstream as we think it is based on how controversial it is totally like that that's kind of where i where i've started stepping back and like, you know what, I'm not going to worry about that as much. I want to see what everybody else who isn't following it is into right. or what they're doing. So back, back to your list. Well, no, I just wanted list. to mention the, the items because that's another, I think we can talk about the data of like, you know, the social media stuff, but that's, yeah. you know, that's pretty deep in there. Whereas you can just like look at the, 
the items and you can look at the graphics and that's just instantly readable. And some things I want to call attention to, like, you know, number two is that that double G Gucci belt, right? We might be like, that's, you know, why would you, why would you Listen, still I, want that? I, I owned one many, many years sure. ago. It's beat to, it looks like a tethered rope at this point, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, as a younger person getting into whatever it is, that's, it that's their, that's the thing that yeah. like, they walk around. I still see kids with their jackets open. Oh, I still and, see and the, the Air Maze belt buckle too. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Lesser, but yeah. And then you look at elsewhere on the list and there's like outliers, right? There's like the Villa Verquin octopus print swim shorts, which mm. I was like, why? Well, I looked it up. <laughs> so Jeff Bezos was seen wearing them. Mm. And now you ask me, do you want to dress like Jeff Bezos? That's a huge no. Uh, not not terribly. Not high on my list of priorities. To-do list this morning was not dressed like Jeff Bezos, but that's I, for sure. So what list says their data, I'm going to quote them here. The Villabriquin octopus print swim shorts were searched for on list more than 4,000 times over the past three months just because of that image of Jeff Bezos, most likely. Like, there's not a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't do crazy Four, 4, research 4,000 is not so. that crazy either. No, of course. I mean, it's not over the past three months, especially. Mm-hmm. But you think about like how many people searched that just because they saw him. And how many people actually saw it that didn't search. Right. And you think about like the, like unlikely style icons. I mean, talk about talk about like outliers. There's Jeff Bezos. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. But it's interesting. You know, you look at the other items on the list. Most of them are pretty small ticket things. You have like the Burberry card case. You have the uh, the Adidas Ralph Simmons sneakers. Mm. It's still relevant. Yeah. Vetmont hat. But uh, not a lot of big ticket items except for number one, which is the Montclair puffer jacket, which I've... I think you live in New York. You see a lot of people wearing clothes. I've never seen that I, jacket. It's become more uh, relevant in certain cultures yeah. uh, or street cultures, so to speak. Uh, the puffer jacket has never gone away. North Face has been the number one. Right. Uh, yeah. Canada Goose, like I think it was two years ago, had that that issue with um, the fox fur. Totally. Mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like that, that the protesters kind of brought and then I, th- I feel like Montclair kind of stepped in in the meantime mm-hmm. and just kind of like superseded whatever was going on there yeah. and it became like a big ticket like street element like as far as like rappers totally. and artists always wearing Montclair and I believe there, there was a Virgil there was a Heron um, yep. and there's one more I can't think uh, there's a Fragment there's a, there's a couple of different well, they ones they did the Genius yes. so yeah, they've done Craig Green they've done Tom mm-hmm. Brown now then, then they moved on to the Genius with Craig Green with Kay Nina Mia with all these other top shelf designers it's kind of a testament to how they've sort of transformed themselves from just like an outerwear brand to like a proper big name luxury mm-hmm. Yep. Brand. Mm-hmm. And when you compare them to like the men's list of items to like the women's list, it's so interesting because you have this divorce of like sort of statement pieces, statement luxury pieces on the men's side versus trend seasonal items on the women's side, like the Jacquemus bag, the Bottega Veneta sandals. It's really interesting to see how men are really just sort of like buying these certain pieces. Yes. Uh, not really based on trends or anything, just based on like who they see or it, taste. It's, it, you know? it's somewhat trending because it's an artist or someone sure. in their realm. Sure. But okay. So looking at this quarter, it's interesting to see the results here, but you know, it's the year's not over yet. We'll see what exactly is going to happen in Q4. And then at the end of the year, when everything wraps up, we're going to combine all the quarters, I'm sure. And we'll see this whole year's trends, which not indicative of the entire decade, Mm -hmm. which we're ending, but it should be a pretty, I'd say the top results should be expected, but we'll see about those like Yeah, probably small shifts, nothing too crazy. I think that's the most interesting stuff is the stuff in the higher numbers, but we'll see. All right. Thanks for stopping by. Yep. For the latest in fashion and style, follow Hypebeast Style on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash fashion. 
Hi, this is Patrick Johnson with Hypebeast Music, and today is a sad day because we are talking about the shuttering of Red Bull Music Academy. Today's the last day that, you know, productions will be up and running, so I'm excited to talk about something that's been so influential in terms of my music listening experience for the past decade or so. Well, let's delve right into this. So um, how many years are we talking now? We're 21. Talking 21 years of uh, RBMA, mm-hmm. right, is our acronym for this, Red Bull Music Academy. So what are we missing at this point? Well, yesterday was cool because they had an Instagram post um, with Eric Badu on the cover, and unexpectedly it was just like, hey, we have a, a new archival website with over 500 videos, lectures, articles, and it's all free, so feel free to go there. And that's basically the volume of their work over two decades. Um, it includes like 40, 50 minute interviews with Mad Lib, MF Doom, Erica Badu, where they talk about their process and go into you know their catalogs. And I mean, the mere fact that they got Mad Lib and MF Doom to sit down for an extended period of time is mm-hmm. impressive in and of itself. Um, but I also think what I liked most about Red Bull um, music and especially the Academy, which just took like 10, 15 up and coming musicians and kind of housed them uh, for a few months to develop their sound. Was that this major like corporate conglomerate, but is so connected to the culture. And now that, you know, the way that I look at it is who's going to really fill that void. Mm. I kind of, that was my takeaway from this is seeing the amount of effort that they put into creating these festivals and actually leaving an imprint where they would do these festivals. So it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to put the show up and like sell tickets and make money. It was more like, we're going to put these studios up and let them, let them live and become their own entity. And people who were in that area or in that scene, in that specific location, were able to use that and and uh, collaborate, so to speak, with whoever whoever else was in that area as well. Maybe artists you weren't even familiar with, which is another reason why I like it too, is the fact that I'm not familiar with a lot of emerging artists, but uh, a staple like this gives me the availability to be like, oh, wow, Red Bull's involved in this? And it, just because you hear the name, you're like, oh, uh, action sports or whatever it is, but you also have this this uh, large entity that that handles, like you said, the culture of music. Yeah, the curation of it too, which is always so phenomenal. And uh, this is on the eve of me going down to Atlanta for Red Bull Music Festival down there. Um, and that's going to be this whole outreach with uh, hip hop photographer Gunnar Stahl. They're gonna have a trap round table with Zaytoven, um, Denzel Curry, Joey Badass will be there. And they're also doing it in Chicago. So seeing how that kind of transforms and now that they're shuttering um, Red Bull Music Academy and Red Bull Radio, um, whether they're still going to do these outreach programs in particular cities and, and do these festivals, um, I hope. But yeah, there really wasn't anything else like it uh, in the industry, you know? And In any industry. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't like, it, it, there's this balance always, right? When, you know, we live in this period where there's influencer marketing and you want to make, you know, ads look organic and things like that. And Rebel is one of those companies that perfected it. So now there's going to be, yeah, a little bit of a vacant hole where you might not have this like strange curation of artists that you don't think necessarily goes together, but does. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have a really good time in Atlanta. It's going to be cool to see it up and close. Cause you know, I used to just go to the events out in New York, but yeah, rest in peace, Red Bull music Academy, rest in peace, Red Bull radio. Um, hopefully we can kind of poach some of the interest over here, I guess. I, I, yeah, I'm a little nervous at this point. Cause like, like I said, like, I don't have the amount of time that I used to have to kind of like venture into new music. So it's always good to have a place that kind of like 
brings it to you and not so much on like a mainstream level where you're like on the radio and oh, I just heard this great new artist. Now that artist has been around for 13 years. They just got their, their big break. Right. You kind of want to catch them like right out of the gate, like whatever the situation may be. Plus the lectures are very dope. Like that in and of itself as um, someone coming up in the industry to be able to hear things like that or be a part of something like that kind of gives you, breathes new life into you. Oh yeah. And it, for, to have one of your favorite artists sit there for like two hours, talk about their influences and their process, um, and have it be all serialized. So you know that it's coming in the next week, the next month was amazing. Um, and part of me too, is a little bit cynical just about the future of streaming and everything. You see a lot of the time that like people don't really dig in the crates like that anymore. M- myself included, you know, most of the time for me to discover new music is like me typing in a genre I'm interested in, interested in, in YouTube and then going down that like rabbit hole um but you know with like the rap caviars of the world and you know the beats one radios and all of that like premium programming on streaming services that's not a knock at them but it kind of you know left a space where maybe red bull couldn't thrive like that anymore because people weren't going to it as much yeah i those big brands like they're still big brands at the end of the day and like you still have to be a certain someone to get on those stations or be premiered there as well right you still you still need that that newcomer space. So, like I said, I'm, I'm curious to see who who, if anybody, is going to be able to help out in that area. Yeah, but also, I mean, it's Red Bull; they're fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think they're hurting for money or anything. I think it was more like a pet project, truthfully. Yeah. Like, yeah, but that's what yeah that's what's most sad about it too is like they kept this thing running for for two decades, and now it's at a point in their brand's trajectory where they're just like, we don't need it anymore, or we can't afford it anymore. But Shout out to Atlanta. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and in terms of, you know, hypebeast music, it just gives us more reason to have that kind of responsibility to introduce people to new music and, you know, carry a, a passion forward. So thanks, Red Bull. I need a playlist from you because that's what I need. Oh, hey, guys, maybe you should go to a Spotify hypebeast playlist. We have a, a special hypebeast Halloween playlist dropping today as well. Got some spooky stuff, got uh, some nice horror samples in there and some overall things to uh, make you grimace and feel, you know, a little bit uh, dark. I'm definitely doing that on my ride home today. Just letting you know. All right. I appreciate the plugs. <laughs> All right. Always a pleasure. Enjoy yes. your trip. Yes. Looking forward to the content. Thanks, guys. If you want to stay up on the latest music news, check out Hypebeast Music on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash music. Hi, my name is Emily Engel. I'm the business editor here at Hypebeast, and today we're going to talk about the ongoing legal battles between Nike and Skechers. Super exciting. This is this is exciting because Skechers has they they become a, a troll company, and I love it. This is fantastic. So so what do you got for us today? I can't lie, they have gotten very sassy. The backstory behind this is that so Nike has been using their aerosol units since 1987, so for quite some time now. But lately they've been entrenched in legal battles with Skechers because Skechers has allegedly created shoes that look exactly like their Air Max designs. We're going to use the term allegedly very loosely because if you look <laughs> at the sneaker, it is it looks like an Adidas upper with a Nike uh, air unit for a set, like a thinner 720 is what it looks like. Yeah, so the backstory behind the start of this Air Max debacle is Nike originally filed a lawsuit against Skechers designs, calling them Skechersized versions of Nike designs that look like the Air Max 270 and Vapor Max designs that Nike put out, you know, a couple years ago now. Mm-hmm. And Basically, Nike is stating that it's coming from Skechers CEO Robert Greenberg directly, 
they're claiming that he just tells everyone at the company to just copy yeah, yeah, yeah. everything and that in doing so it undermines the resources nike puts into its design process so that's their claim and so basically in an exact quote from the lawsuit nike calls sketchers says that they're free riding i mean in theory if you think about it they're not going to go and enter a legal battle without having the the right terminology to make it sound worse than it really is. I, at the end of the day, your your IP, your intellectual property, is exactly that. It's yours, and if anything resembles that, and it it's your it's your right. I think they did the same thing with what um, with Teddy, Teddy from uh, Ame. I always say Ame like incorrectly, but he did like an Air Force One. And the Air Force One was very indicative of Nike's Air Force One, and they were entrenched in like a legal battle because it looked just like it. So, I mean, it, it's going to happen. And Skechers isn't a small company by any means. So if you're going to do it, listen, go go big. Let it, let it sell as much as it possibly can and then take the repercussions. It's always better to ask forgiveness than ask permission. So Well, and the interesting part about this whole situation is they actually recently won a lawsuit against Nike for designs that Nike claim look like they're Converse. Uh, so they, you know, they've come away from this victorious... And they're going to they're gonna keep striking until they get told no. Yes. Um, so, okay, do you remember the Zion Williamson situation yes. with Nike? Mm-hmm. Um, so in response to that, Skechers totally, you know, took advantage of the situation. Troll season has opened. <laughs> yeah, and they put out an ad that said, just blew it, with a picture of, like, a shoe resembling the Nike one. Um, but it was just blatantly, like, you know, against Nike. My, so, like, my problem with, like, this tactic is that, like, the only way that they're able able to get into like this realm of almost like hype so to speak because Skechers isn't known to be like one of those shoes you're like oh, oh I'm going to get some fire for this Suburban weekend Let me go get some. yeah exactly so I think the way that they're trying to step into the realm is to kind of poke at the bear so to speak and then get into uh, well we're, we're talking about it right mm-hmm. well, I, don't, right. I can remember the last time I had a conversation about Skechers they're on the tips of tongues at this point and it, it kind of makes sense why they're doing it and even the the takeaway is actually it's more of a positive than a negative for them at this point especially if they've won one of the battles already right so and this time around it's kind of similar but not as you know direct well still direct as the Zion Williamson situation uh, Skechers put out an ad, a physical ad in the New York Times <laughs> that's kind of masked as a letter to their retail partners but essentially just outlines well it directly calls nike a bully Mm -hmm. and says you know we will fight this to the bitter end uh again i think trolling i think that's more of a troll than anything because people who who read the new york post probably don't really care about sketchers either Hmm. if you think about it in in like terms of trying to get more visibility is that's exactly what it is they're they're just grabbing more it's like putting another post an open letter on facebook or on instagram or wherever you're just trying to get more people into your plight so to speak. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not with it, Skechers. I am not with it. <laughs> it's pretty much what our commenters are saying yeah, too. They're is, in line with you. Yeah. For lack of a better word, I'm not, I'm not gonna throw some curses out there, but like it's <laughs> BS. We'll go with BS at this point. Like, I and I, I feel like it's unfair to Nike to even. I mean, I'm but by no means am I the biggest Nike advocate out here because I have my own qualms with <laughs> Nike, but. At the end of the day, like what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And I just don't want to perpetuate that. So in response, kind of to your point, Nike is now on its fourth lawsuit about uh, related to Air Max design. Get Nike, get him. This time they're coming in and hot with a lawsuit against Skechers Sketch Air Mega and Sketch Air Jumpin' Dots designs, which Nike is claiming resemble Nike's, their joyride runners. I, I mean, I, I feel like even the name is like, <laughs> got him. 
Well, no, honestly, I'm still trying to figure out how they're legally allowed to use Sketch those Air. names. Sketch Air. Like. Because Air, I believe, is the main part of the patent, the actual term Air, uh, Nike's patent. So yeah, still trying to figure that part out, but um, they're yeah, but really... but that's how you know it's like a straight troll session, is them just like directly going at them. Yeah, and they certainly did with It's, it's that working one. out. Honestly, it's working out well. Like I said, we I've never spoke about Skechers in public. I'm not even behind closed doors. Would I be like, hey guys, you want to talk about Skechers? I've never done that in, in my life. I've just tried to get my mom not to buy them. That's the mm. only time. So yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it could be a ploy to gain some limelight, but I mean, we'll see how it turns out. They have been victorious. So Mission accomplished. Know. But have you seen the jumping dots? No, I have not. I, all I saw was a Sketch Air 2. The Sketch Air okay. 2 was the one that like popped up the most. Mm. I don't know. These are like the kind of things that make me frustrated because <laughs> this is not like, do be the best at what you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, they say, um, Best form of flattery is, is to copy. It's a serious form of flattery is to, I don't know, man, I, but this is not a good look for me. Yeah, well, we'll see how it pans out. I mean, still kind of in its infancy, this whole situation. So, I mean, we'll see what the courtroom decides. Stay up to date. Hypebeast, do it. Yeah, for all your Skechers news. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually super funny. For the latest in footwear news, you can check out Hypebeast Kicks on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash footwear. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Robert Marshall, senior editor at Hypebeast, covering mostly footwear and sports. What's going on, guys? What's popping, Bob? Uh, we got a good one today. Yeah, another another week, another another major sports announcement. On Tuesday, the NCAA made an announcement that they are really um, doing a bit more research. I guess the best way to put it uh, into the idea of allowing athletes to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. So, so based on social media, which is mm. where most people get their news from, For they sure. said it's okay to pay players. Yeah. Like everyone thinks, it's, oh, no, 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 this is, this is just, it's okay now. We're paying players. Like they're going to be in video games. They're getting paid for the likeness. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big misconception here. It's, this is not a win. There's no decision that's been made. Uh, the NCAA just has been feeling heavy pressure from just our government and uh, our, you know, the states uh, and the states themselves as they're trying to roll out different bills to, to really push uh, this idea to, to allow student athletes to get paid because it, you know, college sports as a whole is a, makes a ton of money. It's a billion dollar industry, especially when, you, when you're looking at uh, football and basketball. There's a lot of money being made. Everybody's, you know, everybody's making money from the coach to the, in the pot. Yeah, from the coach to the faculty members to the companies making replica jerseys and so on and so forth, except the actual players. So because of that, they're feeling a bit of pressure. So really what they announced is that, you know, since in May, they, uh, you know, they had a team to, to really uh, research this a bit further. And they announced that by April 2020, uh, there's going to be some sort of decision that is made. And then by January 2021, the three divisions, Division One, II, Two, and Three uh, of college sports will form and begin to implement a policy. So again, this is something where they're just researching this a bit further to see what they can do. They say, you know, they're basically saying that, hey, we want to be a part of this conversation. We're not going to leave it up to the, you know, the states and the government because, again, they want to be able to make the rules and make the stipulations. They don't want the regulation to come down on them, which yeah, is which is in. happening in the tech industry right yeah. now, right? Uh, internet and social media. So it, again, it is not a win. Um, we're, we're pretty much far from that. And I think there's 
a lot of wording that needs to be dissected here, right? You know, I think every word needs to be dissected. Yeah. Every commentary needs to be dissected. It, yeah. it, it, this is becoming the the chicken or the egg kind of feeling for me where it's like, well, well, what do we do first? Do we pay them? Do we not pay them? Do, if we're making money, can they make yeah, money? Right. Like at, at some point you just say there's a cap on how much you can spend. No one makes more than anyone else. And we call it just like that. Right. So, I mean, to clarify, it is not the university mm -hmm. that can pay them or the college. Uh, they cannot be employees is the quote of the university or the college. They can get paid by outside businesses. And again, it's not necessarily being paid the idea, the, the wording was used like benefit from their likeness. You know, Explain that. And this, I mean, that can mean anything, <laughs> really. I mean, I've seen some uh, some ideas rolling around that players could get a gift card uh, with with money on it that can yeah. only be used at certain locations, or like libraries like or... a college bookstore, exactly, or basically like a stipend that players, you know, college or, or scholarship athletes already get, um, which you know really just kind of covers their day to day, like which is also like a very low level day to day, like a college student. And that's the other thing they're trying to maintain the college experience. Um, these are the words that they're using uh, in a manner consistent with uh, the collegiate model, you know, making clear distinction between collegiate and professional opportunities. So it, 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 there's, these are all, again, these are quotes that are being used that really are vague and ambiguous. It's just a kind of the, the collegiate model is basically the school saying we're only going to be able to tell you what you can and can't do that 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 dates back to uh rowing challenges or uh, rowing championships back in the day when that was like the biggest thing in, in yale and harvard like right. it was basically the same thing then as it is now but it's just on a larger more visible scale and yep. i i think that the school wants to be the one like you said to decide what it is that they can and can't do um not to be not to get it confused if you take an endorsement from someone right now like you're still going to be liable for that right that they, they didn't clear any of that yet yeah yeah yeah. So, exactly so, so, so yeah, like, again like they're just they're saying that they want to have a decision yeah. by uh next year early next year uh april next year excuse me uh and yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of all over the place you know there's a lot of what ifs that you know could really be ha you know happen here whether it be you know, yeah, these guys maybe could get paid for autographs or, you know, maybe video games or replica jerseys. But, um, you know, they, they want to make sure that they're not being compensated for their performance or participation. So, again, the idea of a pay for play, uh, you know, there's a ton of questions like what if, you know. Yeah, but then, like, the health reasons come into, like, situations, too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I mean, honestly, if, you, if there are people making a monetary gain from your efforts, <laughs> like, it's you know unfair well, i'm gonna yeah. go with unfair at this point because right. i mean like you're putting your body on the line just like you would if you're in the nfl right right yeah. so like, the same injuries can occur in college as they can in the nfl and professionally so like what's what's the point right yeah so i i mean it's it's all to over get to the nfl like right. the point is to get to the nfl yeah. but well, i can end my career in college yeah and not have anything to show for it absolutely yeah and not even get my degree because i can't play anymore so like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much around that, and they they need to really look into those those details to say, yeah, what if someone does get injured? You know, do we still pay them? They should still get their scholarship. They should still get their stipend at least finish the school year or get the degree. And maybe there's a little bit of money. This is another idea or suggestion that they don't actually get compensated or get paid until after college. 
says like, hey, yeah, you kind of have to maintain this college student experience yeah, to not separate yourself from the other students that are there doing mm-hmm. on, on academic scholarship. I, mean, I, th- I think we could smooth this out between yeah. you and I right now. For sure. Uh, we <laughs> yeah. could definitely get it to a point where it's like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah you know, but uh, I, there's always going to be, an, but I think there's always going to be an issue, a bit of gray area. And this is it's going to require a lot of just monitors. I don't know how, I mean, what else to put it, but just people monitoring their situation because yeah, an alumni who owns a business can pay this athlete X amount of money and then, oh, that athlete happens to go to his college, right? So it's like, you know, did he pay him to go to that college? Exactly. Not, you know, on paper, no. But And then think about the amount of players that you have that you'd have to now keep an eye on where their finances are coming from. Right, yeah, exactly. So, so like already you've already put yourself in a situation to be like, okay, now we have to hire people that are going to be on this 24-7 and are they on the take? Like I yeah. feel like this whole, this whole realm is very shady to begin with. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially as far as like, sports gambling goes and things of that nature like i feel like it's all well we'll go back to class situation so like say a player does get hurt now they were somewhat protected and this is all hearsay speculation i'm not Mm -hmm. saying this is necessarily true but like as a college athlete if you're a premier athlete like of course they're gonna look out for you so to speak right right like they that you're bringing money to the school you're bringing kids to the school they're going to the stadium people from outside are going to like it's just money everywhere like we spoke about earlier now that player gets hurt are we still worried about him doing good in class? I don't think so. Yeah. Are we worried about that that tuition that can't be paid through the seats that he was filling by playing this sport? Yeah. Yeah. Eh. I mean, so, so it's 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 super gray already. Yeah. I think I'm cynical. Yeah. I'm for sure. I think just to kind of close it out. I, I think again, there's a lot to be discussed here, and I think the best case scenario is that these states and you know uh, you know these state governments and agencies and so on still are pushing their own bills to really put that pressure on the NCAA to to do this right and to do this properly um, but again that also means this is going to be a lot longer than you we expect is it going to be different for different states that yes. that's that's another great question for sure uh, we, we do questions all day but we'll definitely stay up to <laughs> date with this so, sure. so what do we have 20 uh January 2020 is when we should have some kind of finality to this. April 2020 and then January 21, 2021 is when they want to start implementing some things. Oh, wow. So, so we, oh, they're nowhere near anything yet. Okay, no, great. All. <laughs> yeah. all right, Bob, always a pleasure. Yeah, already. Thanks, guys. For the latest in sports news, follow Hypebeast.com forward slash sports. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Hype Report. You can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes on Hypebeast.com forward slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment and let us know what you think about this week's topics. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Mikey Dab, and that's two Bs. And shout out to the editorial team. I'm Mikey Dab, and thanks for listening to The Hype Report. Any comment, opinion, or suggestion made by any person contained in this episode does not represent Hypebeast in any way, and those genuinely are their individual, personal opinion, and thoughts towards the topic shared.